Hi, I'm Maddie, and I don't have a hobby. Hi, I'm Haley, and I have too many hobbies. And I've taken it upon myself to get Maddie hooked on just about anything. In this podcast, we're talking true crime. We're talking Enneagram. We're talking mental health. We're talking Scientology. And just about everything in between. So we're inviting you on a journey that you definitely didn't ask to be invited on. In the hopes that you too would like to be Average, average girls Average and Hey, hey, hey. Why do you always start like... Do I do always say hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Fine, you do it. It'll be better. No, because you know what my start always is? What? What's up, guys? Yeah, see, and that makes me nervous. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like hey, hey, hey or what's up, guys. Okay, so basically this episode's a sham. Okay. So our hot take question for today, I actually forgot. <laughs> you just looked at it. Oh, like, like, um, is friends... A funny slash worth the hype show? My answer, 100%. No, it's not even slightly funny. We just said five. You missed it. Uh, not funny. Never laughed at it once. Slightly problematic. Uh, don't like sitcoms, really, except for maybe like How I Met Your Mother. That mm. one's pretty funny. I think the only thing about the show that I like is like the outfits. I think they're talented actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. Love Jennifer Aniston. It's not their fault. No, it's not their fault. It's bad writing. Yeah, I don't love it. No. There's certain moments where I'm like, oh, this is a good job. This is cute. Like, yeah. this is heartwarming yeah. or like. Yeah, Aww. it's cute, but it's not funny. I would never watch it for this purpose It'd be a of being funny. Show. No, never, never. I've never laughed out loud at it. No. Like the pivot thing, that's not funny. I don't even know what you're talking about. It's, yeah, it's just not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. I, that's how I can gauge if people don't really have a good sense of humor, to be honest with you. Right. If your favorite show is Friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If your favorite show is Friends. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's, it, I'm sorry for the both of us. Be a little more original. You have that. such a big mosquito bite on your leg. Thank you. <laughs> I watched a movie outside last night. Oh, that's fun. What movie did you watch? Oh, this is a great movie. What it's movie? Peanut Butter Falcon. It's with Shia I've heard it's really good. I wanted to see that. So good. Wow. Okay. Are you ready for today's topic? I'm scared. Yeah. you said it was true crime, right? This one is, yes. Okay, okay. So this one is a case that apparently was a really big thing that I didn't know about for a really long time, but I knew that it was going to be a bit... What are you doing? I'm getting in my groove. Okay. What do you mean? She's doing this weird thing. Okay. So basically, it was a case that happened in 2004, and here's the reason I wanted to do this one with you was because... I don't know. I normally have some sort of opinion, and I kind of do, I guess, with her a little bit, but not really. I have no idea what happened to this girl. Like, not even slightly one way versus another. Whoa. Like, anything kind of goes. Exactly. I normally feel like I have a general, like, hypothesis, even if it's kind of wrong. I'm like, okay, this is what I think probably happened. Um, But this one, I have no idea. So, um, this one's super interesting. This is the case of Mara Murray. Ooh, you've mentioned this. Have I? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I only heard of this one from a Crime Junkie podcast, and I realized how big it was. So then I started watching a documentary that's, like, on ID about it and stuff like that. Of course. Of course. Um, called Miles to Nowhere, and it's really freaking good. So that's where all of this information comes from. I also just, like, Google searched around and found some, like, random bits of information where there was, like, not a lot. So are you ready? Yes. Okay. So it all starts Saturday, February 7th, thousand. Fred Murray goes to the University of Massachusetts to spend the weekend with his daughter, Mara, and shop for a new car. 
She has to go traveling for her clinical hours because she's a nursing student. And so her car basically is really junky and old and it's smoking. And he's like, you know what? It's time. Let's get you a new car. So they go out car shopping whenever he goes with her. Fred is her dad and he takes Mara and her friend Kate to dinner that weekend. Uh, Fred said that nothing is out of the ordinary. Mara drops off Fred that night at his hotel and she decides to borrow his new car to go out with her two friends to a party. Um, Her friends are Kate and Sarah. He goes into the hotel while she goes out to the party. Um, Whenever she's on her way back really late that night, she runs into a guardrail on her way home and does $10,000 worth of damage on her dad's car. What? The new car? The new car. Not the one she just bought, but the one that her dad drove down to UMass. It it was like a relatively new car. Okay. Um, So – $10,000? $10,000? Yeah. I mean, granted, depending on what kind of car it is, well, that's what they're saying. It's likely. They can't prove that now, but chances are she keeps driving back from a party, which I would not let my kid, not to, like, blame the dad, but, like, in general, I would not let my kid do that. Like, you're going out to a party. Yeah, you want to take my brand new car and you can, like, maybe drive home drunk in it. Yeah. It's 2004. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, So whenever she gets – after she runs into the guardrail, she is able to drive the car back to the hotel. She's in the hotel parking lot. She calls her boyfriend, Billy. And it's 4.49 a.m. whenever she calls him. Yeah, so she's been been out. Late. Um, Billy is stationed in Oklahoma at the time, and he tried to talk to her on the phone. And he's kind of, like, calming her down. She's really upset. She's shaken up just because, obviously, she just got into an accident. And so she hangs up with Billy. He said he was starting to feel okay. Um that she was starting to feel okay and that she he was able to kind of, like, talk her down a little bit. So the next morning, she tells her dad what happened. He drives her back to campus, and he's just basically reassuring her about the entire accident. Obviously, he's pissed about it, but he's being, like, a dad. Nice. And he was like, okay, we're going to move on. We're going to have to figure all of this out. He's not happy about it, but it's, like, it's what's done is done. being a jerk, yeah. Right. Um, and her and her dad had a really close relationship, so they were, like – it wasn't like there was – it was really Huge tense. Deal. Yeah. Um, but she was still really shaken up. So he drops her off back on campus, and then he drives back. The plan was for him to come back in a couple of weekends once they figured out exactly what car they were going to get, uh, and then they were going to get it. So it was just kind of like, see you later, see you in a couple weeks once we figure this out because he only lives a couple hours away. Mm-hmm. Fred did not know that this is the last time he would ever see his daughter. Whoa. Ever. She gone. So this is a picture of Mara Murray. Um, I have a picture of her there. She's, like, very young, Aww. very athletic. Yeah, she's, like, cute. You got that she was athletic based off of this photo of her face? Yeah. I mean, you can kind of tell. Really? Yeah. <laughs> she looks like she's a little – well, maybe – okay, maybe I'm biased, though, because I do know that she is an athlete, but – There we go. But I think I still would have guessed that. Really? Yeah. I, the only reason why I would have guessed that is because of the hair. Maybe that's why. And that actually does come into play at one point because that is her, like, very typical how she wears her hair. Oh. Yeah. She's cute, though. Background. She normal. Yeah. Mara is 21 years old, and she is going to school at the University of Massachusetts. She transferred from West Point, which is a prestigious military school in New York. New York? Not New York. Maybe New York. I ain't got it. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. So she's a star track and cross-country athlete. She ran track and cross-country in college uh, and in high school, and she's a nursing major. So she had just changed her major to nursing in the past year. She had been dating Bill um, since her sophomore year at West Point. They were basically what they considered to be engaged to be engaged. So it was Mm -hmm. like they were very serious, and they were planning on getting engaged pretty soon after she graduated and all of that good stuff. Uh, they do long distance. They've been together for almost three years. They have a really strong relationship, according to what they first hear. 
Mara's parents um, have been divorced since she was six years old, but her family is like, it's always been like that. They're very healthy. They have a good dynamic. She's really close with her dad. She has a lot of really close friends. She works two part-time jobs at UMass, and she traveled some due to her clinicals for nursing, like we said before. Okay, so all of that happened on February 7th, on Saturday, Mm -hmm. with the whole accident and all of that. Yeah. So it's Sunday, February 8th. She talks on the phone with her dad about insurance. She has to go pick up some paperwork and some forms for insurance, blah, blah, blah. So her dad walks her through that a little bit, and she said she's going to get to it, and then they hang up. She spends some time that day looking at New Hampshire rentals in the area. Remember, she's in Massachusetts. She's looking up stuff until 4 a.m. that night, looking at rentals in New Hampshire. Hmm. Okay? She's a night owl. Yeah, right? But it gets it gets weirder. Now, pay attention because there's a lot of times. Okay. Which somehow relate to this. So – It's 12.55 p.m. the next day, Monday, February 9th. She's doing more research, and she gets directions from Amherst to the Burlington, Vermont area. Classes had just started. Cell records show that she made a few phone calls that day. She calls a New Hampshire condo place because she's really familiar with that area. Her family used to, like, vacation up there, and they would go on ski trips there. And so she knows that area in general. So she she calls a condo to see their availability, and that's at 12.55. So then at 1.30, she sends an email to her boyfriend, and it basically says along the lines of, I love you. I just don't feel like talking right now, but, you know, I'll call you later. Nothing's wrong. An Bye. email? An email, 2004. Okay. So no one's texting. No. So this is their version of texting. So then at 2.05, she calls 1-800-GO-STO, which is a hotel booking agency in the Stowe, Vermont area. She listens to some listings, but there the line was out of order. And so she isn't able to make a reservation on the phone like you're supposed to be able to, but the line's out of order, but you can see what the listings are. So she knows the availability, but she has to wait to get there to make the actual reservation. Sure. So 13 minutes after that, she calls Bill. She leaves a message along the lines of, sorry, I missed your call earlier. Just wanted to give you a call. Love you. Talk later. Bye. Then, right after this, she emails her professors and tells them that there's been a death in the family and she's going to be out for the next week. Okay. Problem being, there is not a death in the family. (laughs) And no one, once they find out that this is the email that she sent to her professors, no one knows what she's talking about. None of her family is like... No. What? Yes. So... After this, she sends out that email. She gets in the car. She returns clothes that she borrowed to a friend. It's 3.30 p.m. She leaves the Amherst campus in her beat-up car that was basically so beat-up that she, like, couldn't even really drive it. Right. Any- she shouldn't have left. Right. Let alone to go to another state completely. Mm-hmm. She goes to an ATM. She takes $280 out of her account, which is basically all the money that she had in there. Like, she left very, very little left. Is there security cameras over there? Mm-hmm. Mm. Then she goes to a liquor store. She buys a bottle of Kahlua, a bottle of Bailey's, a bottle of vodka, and a box of red wine. Wow. They only know that because they find a receipt in her car, and then they go back and they look at the security footage, and they see that she's there by herself. Hmm. Mara starts driving north from that point on. She checks her voicemail at 4.37 p.m. while she's on her drive. Okay. That's the last ping from her cell phone ever. Um, But – Here's the thing. Mara was known to take spontaneous trips before. She had done this in high school. She would, like, just go off by herself someplace for a day, and no one would know where she was, and everyone would be freaking out. And then mm-hmm. she'd be like, no, I just went downtown for the day. Like, I just didn't so, want to talk to yeah, anybody. Like, everything's fine. Yeah. So, fast forward. After after 437, there's no pings on her cell phone in any of the cell towers. So, no one knows if she's on her phone, who she's with, anything like that. So, it's 725 p.m. So she's been driving for a little while now. Yeah. Her car is off the road. They don't know why her car is in the opposite lane facing incoming traffic. What? Yes. Uh, Mara crashes in front of this woman, Faith's house, who we'll talk about in a second. So this woman, Faith, I don't even have her last name. It's on here somewhere. 
Um, Faith calls the police and she tells them there's been an accident. She hasn't looked outside yet, so she doesn't know if anyone is injured, but there's still been an accident outside of her house. So then whenever they're – you can, like, listen to the 911 call. I didn't because 911 calls kind of freaked me out. But <laughs> the next part of the 911 call is redacted. So we don't even know why it's redacted, why we don't have that information, but it's taken out for whatever reason. So we'll get back to that part in a second. Then there is a local man named Butch Atwood. So Butch Atwood lives down the road from where Mara's car is stopped. He is passing by and he sees that there, this girl is in facing incoming traffic. So he's like, what the heck happened? So he comes and he asks if she's okay and she's standing by her car. He said that she was shaken up She and he offered to call the police for her. And she said, no, it's okay. I already called AAA. It's not a big deal. I don't want to get the police involved. Don't worry about me. And he doesn't push her. Drunk? Well, we'll see. He doesn't push her, but he says that he knew right then and there that she was lying because he's lived there all his life, and he said that they, he knew there was no cell service right there, so she didn't call AAA. Oh. So. Got him. Yeah. So he goes home, and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to call 911 for her then. So he goes back. He calls 911 because um, he realizes that she needs help. Okay. Now, pay attention to these times because this is really bizarre. Okay. This is at 740 that he calls. And here's the other thing. The line was busy for 911. What? Is that possible? Is this allowed? I'd be so pissed if I called 911 I'm being attacked. And they're like, sorry, call again later. Busy one. I don't have later. So. I've never heard of that. Exactly. Well, then the dispatcher calls back at 743. And is like, hey, you called. Called at 40. 740. So three minutes. Three minutes. Um, So the dispatcher calls back. He talks about the accident. He said that she didn't appear to be hurt or bleeding, but that the airbags inside the car were deployed. So it was serious enough. Yeah. 746. Cecil Smith is the officer that comes on the scene. Whenever he gets there, there's no young woman there when once he arrives. It's just the car that's facing the wrong way in the opposite direction that Mara was even traveling in. Which makes me think like ice, because I feel like I've done that before in like icy roads. Whenever I was back at home, my car's turned completely around. So she didn't hit anyone. But yeah, but I don't think there was even ice around. Right. What time of year was it? It was February. So, I mean, potentially, but I, sure. but it didn't say that there ever was. And I'm, I guess I don't have that information to even know, but I don't know. So whenever he gets there, the car is facing the other way. There, it looks like it's abandoned, but the car is locked. There's a crack over the driver's side windshield. There's a box of wine in the back seat and something pink dumped in the snow, as well as a splatter inside the car. It said that there's a Coke bottle inside that also smells like alcohol. Wait, the pink splatter that was outside of the car was also inside of the car? The pink? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it's from the box of wine. Right. Um, And then, like, what? Like, after she got into an accident, she dumped it out? Well, and Why what, would you dump it out in the snow? What happened to the Kahlua and the Baileys? That's all in there, too, but I think the box of wine's open. Oh. Yeah. So more officers and EMTs come once they see this. The EMTs then find a rag at the bottom of Mara's Saturn. It looks like it had fallen out of her tailpipe. So this ends up being what they call a red herring in these cases because it's hard to tell if it's something that's, like, so outlandish that it's something you should pay attention to mm-hmm. or if it's something that just, like, sticks out and it ends up taking attention away from what's actually important and doesn't actually have anything to do with the case. Huh. And so they don't – they basically refer to this as the red herring. They don't know why it was there. There's no – like, it drives me crazy. There's literally no explanation. So um, basically the question with that is did Mara put that in there or did someone else, whenever she was stopped at an ATM or the liquor store at her friend's house, all those places she stopped, did someone stick that in there and wait for her car to stall out? Why because eventually – If they were trying to kidnap her. I'm confused about what the thing does. What the the – Rag in the tailpipe does? Yeah. It stalls out her car. So it's like, oh, that itself stalls it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Because there's no way for the exhaust to come out. 
I don't exactly know how, but it's just the exhaust doesn't come out and eventually it'll stall oh, your you know engine. What? I was thinking you said tail light this whole time. Oh, like, tailpipe, tailpipe. Gotcha. Yes, 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 I'm tailpipe. I was thinking like would that just like be a marker for her car? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that no. they could be able to see if they were falling. Yeah, which no. one's hers? It'll, yeah, no. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. So basically, whenever they get there, since there's no body, there's no anything, they decide that they're not going to treat it as a crime scene. Mm-hmm. Apparently, abandoned cars are like pretty un- are pretty common in that area, and so there isn't really reason to go looking for anyone. Um, they also say that there's no tracks in the snow leading into the direction of the woods nearby. No one goes looking for her that night at all. Wait, you said tracks in the snow. There aren't any tracks in the snow. But snow means there could have been ice. Yeah, there could have been. But I, for some reason, I feel like I remember there being a part where they said there wasn't any ice on the road they knew of, but I might have made that up. Oh, okay. I might have made but that up. But it could have been. It could have been. It's still potential. So the next morning, the police call Fred Murray, and Fred says to police that he's worried that Mara may have gone into the woods to hurt herself. And apparently he goes on to regret that he ever said that because basically that made the police think, like, she's probably a runaway. She's probably suicidal. It's not a missing person's case. Like, it's a missing person's case, but it's probably not a kidnapping or something like that. self-inflicted. Right. But Fred Murray says he was afraid that Mara was depressed. Friends and family go to New Hampshire to help in the search. Billy, at the time, her boyfriend, is traveling from Oklahoma to New Hampshire. When he's in security at the airport, he gets a voicemail from an unknown number. What? When he gets the call from this number, there's a whimpering noise in the background that he can't identify. What? So dogs, they bring the dogs out um, 11 days after she vanishes. They track the scent from the crash site to about 100 feet up the road, and then the scent disappears, which doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, it just gets up there, and then it's just gone, which would lead you to believe that she probably got into another car. Right. Yeah. Um, there are no tracks in the woods. No one saw her walking along the road. And the cop who came was coming from the direction that she was headed and he didn't see her at all. So she had to have been going in only one direction. Like it really limits the places where she could have gone. Mm-hmm. Mara likely got into another car. This is where animosity starts between the Murray family and the police. They think that she was drinking and driving and that she ran away and didn't want to be found. Who's they? The family? The police think that. Um, they think that she was drinking and driving. She had already gotten into an accident in like the, the, the day or two before. She disappear. Yeah. She needed to get out of there. Her life was out of control. Her family is saying, no, she would not want to leave her life. She was not that unhappy. Like, she might have had a few mental health issues here and there, but a lot of college students do. She was going to be mm-hmm. fine. But – there's some stories, some discrepancies where Mara's life was not as picturesque as it appeared to be. Dun, 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 dun. What she do? So. What she do? February 5th. This is, I hate you. February 5th. So this is right before her dad came to visit her and get her the new car. Okay. Yeah. He came, on the, he came on the 7th. February 5th, Mara is at her campus desk job at UMass. Mm-hmm. Mara's boss finds her that day in what she calls a catatonic state. Now, Mara's job, whenever she's working at the desk, is supposed to be checking people's IDs and checking people in, and she, but apparently she's not doing that. So Mara is just sitting there, like completely flat affect, like zoned out. And her boss comes in and is like, "Hey, what's going on?" So she approaches Mara, and Mara immediately bursts into tears. And all the words that she can get out, she keeps saying, my sister, my sister. So Mara's boss calls someone else in to finish the shift, and she walks Mara back to her dorm room. And she can't get Mara to say anything else. She doesn't want to pry. And so she made sure that she was okay, and she, she said, like, do you have anyone you can talk to about it? And she said, yeah, I'll talk to my roommate about it. It's okay. I'm okay. Here's the problem with that. Mara doesn't have a roommate. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Who is she talking to? They didn't know that? No, her boss didn't. 
Uh, I get in UMass is a way bigger school than like yeah, yeah. our school, so sure. I'm sure she probably wouldn't have known that. So they ask her sister what the heck was Mara talking about, and her sister's like, honestly. I can't think of anything that stuck out in the conversation that she and I had that would make her upset, let alone, Whoa. like, as upset as she was. Apparently, she had taken a call from her sister earlier that day, and her sister says that it was completely normal. She didn't think of anything that would upset Mara. The only thing is her sister had just come back from rehab. Um, oh, so some people okay. think that maybe she'd fallen off the wagon, and now she doesn't want to admit it. Um, but Mara's sister says that that hadn't happened. She had just gotten back. So then they decided to take a look at Mara's car. Mara's car looks like she's been packing for a small trip. There's toiletries. There's some clothes. She brought her textbooks. She also has a copy, though, of the book Not Without Peril. It's a book about people who went into the White Mountains of New Hampshire and either died or were seriously injured. And that's literally where she was going. What? People say that she was thinking about ending her life in the mountains. But her dad is saying, no, that's just her favorite book. That's why she had it with her. Don't pay attention to that. Why is that anyone's favorite I don't, book? I don't know. Maybe it's well written. I don't know. <laughs> Some of my favorite books are kind of dark. Yeah. I don't know that you would put those on your favorite. I, I mean, probably not. But, yeah, it's very weird. But she does have, like, stuff in there that's basically saying it looks like she was going to come back. She brought her textbooks. If you're going to go kill yourself in the woods. Why study? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, like, not bringing my books. Not. I, I, yeah, I don't know. These nursing majors. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. So before she left her dorm that day, she packed up her entire room. Okay, this is getting weirder. She printed up an email, either to or from Billy, that alluded to some troubles they were having in their relationship. Turns out Billy had been cheating on Mara. With someone at West Point who told Mara's sister, who then told Mara. But the problem is, is that Mara was also cheating on Billy. Boo. She was actually having a relationship with her track coach, Hussein Baghdadi. What? Yeah, that's his name. They oh, were, yeah. I Apparently, what? Oh, God. Were you going to be gross? Probably. Okay. Um, <laughs> Apparently, they were having an affair, but it had ended. What's um, his last name? Baghdadi. Mm hmm. There's, there's a lot of places you could take that. Yep. Are you going to refrain? Yep. Okay. So apparently they're not having an affair at that exact time, but they had been having one in the months before. And so they were both aware of each other's, like, things they had going on. I don't think they were cool with it. I think it was, like, we're going to work issue, on it when we work on it. Yeah. Because um, they were still together. Like, it wasn't – and they seemed to be committed. As, well, okay. I mean, like, committed to each other and, you know, also a few others. You know I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. True <laughs> um, basically, after they find out some of this, like, weird information – that doesn't – none of it seems to match up at all. There are months where there's basically silence. Her family looks through her call records and talk with all of the people that she called within the couple weeks before her disappearance to see if they knew anything weird. Most of the people by now have no recollection of talking with Mara, the people that talked to her that day. Or, like, even the people in her life, they didn't know what they talked about. It was like, oh, I, I didn't – yeah, I wasn't anticipating that being our last conversation. So the family realizes that while they're talking to all these people, that all these people are saying this is the first time they'd ever heard from anyone about Mara. They hadn't heard from the police. And so now the family's pissed because they're like, wait a minute. Why you, wouldn't you reach out to these people on the call logs? Right. And not even just that. It was also the people of, like, at the liquor store. They didn't talk to, like, hey, was she alone at the liquor store? Oh. Hey, was she acting weird? Like, what do you remember about this girl? And now it's months later. They don't remember. Right. I wouldn't remember. Why wait that long? Right, exactly. So now they're mad. Um, so Fred tries to get Mara's records released to him from the police, but it's rejected because they call it an ongoing investigation. And he's basically like, okay, yeah, but you're not actually investigating it, so let me right. let me investigate it myself. And they won't. 
A local reporter contacts the family to let them know that she knows someone who believes she saw Mara after she disappeared. Hmm. The witness says that she saw Mara at a gas station with an older man. Oh, this will make you so mad. I was so irritated. She looked upset, and she made eye contact with this woman at the gas station. And then she mouthed the words, help me. What? This woman didn't get any information on the car or the man or the license plate, anything else. Why? They... If a girl at a, <laughs> at a gas station looked at me with an old dude that looked creepy and said, said help, help me, me, I would write that license plate number down so fast. I'm not even letting them leave. Right. I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm having car trouble. I need you to stay right I'd be here. Like, I'm having woman problems come to the bathroom <laughs> with, you need me to right come with me right now and just help. lock us in there right. for hours. But then not even that. She doesn't call the police then. Doesn't get any information on the car. Why? She waits months. Yeah, why? Which makes me think that she's probably lying. That's so dumb. Right, exactly. So. Why lie about that? But here's the problem, though. That's not the only sighting of Mara. There have been tons of sightings all over New England that they've tried to follow and they haven't panned out. She a ghost. So then it turns out that there's actually a story whenever it comes to Mara leaving West Point back in the day, whenever she transferred. Turns out she didn't just choose to become a nursing major. She told everybody she became a nursing major and that's why she had to switch from West Point. It turns out that she was forced to leave West Point um, because she broke some of their rules. So Mara and a friend were shopping at Fort Knox, uh, the mall, and she has tried to shoplift with her friends, and she got busted. Uh, It's a really strict school, obviously, because it's a military school, and they were going to expel her unless she just decided to transfer. So she goes to UMass. Whenever she's there... Mara had used a stolen credit card to have a pizza delivered, so she signs for the pizza, and when she signs for the pizza with a stolen card, the police find her, and she is given probation. Uh, as long as she has no other infractions, it'll be wiped from her record. Oh, that's but nice. Like that's that's pretty bad. You can't just use somebody else's credit. Yeah, card. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, of them to do. Yeah, because that's like yeah, that's not not good, especially considering she'd also been in trouble before for shoplifting. <laughs> right. So she's not really setting up a track record for honesty necessarily. So apparently around this time, she starts going to Domino's a lot. Which out of all the pizza places, what? I love Domino's. Yeah, but out of all the pizza places you can go to? I love Domino's. You would choose Domino's. Domino's and Papa John's. Domino's almost went out of business because it's not that good. No, they revamped. <laughs> I'm, I'm like defending Domino's. I'm like, about Domino's. I am the same. No, I mean, like, I'm not going to turn down a Domino's if there's nothing else. No, but I'm ordering Domino's. What? Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. ordering Domino's or Papa John's. What are you You're ordering? You're so weird. I mean, the places that I would pick from are the small places. I don't really like chain pizza places. Well, obviously, I would pick like Palace Pizza. Right. But I, and I also no, hate pizza. I'm, but- Oh, I don't mind their thin crust. I'm just going to say the only thing I like about it is the thick crust. Thick? Yeah. Are you like a stuffed crust no, person? No, 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 no. I'm okay. a thin crust person. My favorite would be Palace Pizza if we're talking Lakeland. Right. Right there with you. My favorite pizza from back at home is a place called Mm-mm Pizza. Mm-mm. Uh-huh. Mm-mm. Emerson just texted from upstairs because she has to be a part of every freaking episode and said she is a stuffed crust person. Ooh. Oh, only one kind. There is one frozen pizza that we like. Gross. She said that's our pizza of choice at Walmart, you liar. Ew. It's not Walmart pizza. Walmart or like a store or anything, I'm getting DiGiorno. No, I don't like DiGiorno pizza. What? No, I don't like it. Why? Um, I'd rather get something a little crazy. What does that mean? Like a <laughs> what? Does you're that so mean? mad. I actually really do like a, the stuffed crust that they have. Blech. You don't like stuffed crust, bro? 
I hate stuffed crust. Why? It's not good. It's never good. You've just never had the right kind of No, it. that ruins the whole thing. I don't want cheese inside of the best breaded part of the pizza. I already have cheese all over the freaking pizza. You're shaking right now. Yeah. Yeah, but sometimes it's good. No, it's not. Especially if you have a pizza that's not particularly cheesy, so then you just have like cheese. Who in the gets front. a cheese who gets a pizza that's not cheesy? I mean like not crazy cheesy. What does that mean? I don't always like my pizza crazy cheesy. Like the sole thing isn't just cheese. I never get just cheese. I know. I just I there's a woman missing. <laughs> I'm more you need like, to think fired up about the pizza. <laughs> Not about the fact that this girl's missing, but you're screaming about DiGiorno. <laughs> okay. That is where you and I are different people. You know what? If our biggest difference <laughs> is about pizza, I think we're okay. We are. Okay. So now that we talked about pizza, back to poor missing woman. Basically, the reason I even brought up Domino's was because apparently another issue for Mara was that she is uh, bulimic. And they think that bulimia uh, has a link to stress. And so it was potential that, like, she was acting out at the same time because she was really stressed and was having, like, a very emotional roller coaster of a time. So she went to the suicide forest? Well, that's what they're trying to say, which I don't buy. Okay. Because I have been stressed without being a suicidal plenty of times in my life. Right. You know, it just doesn't necessarily mean that. Okay. So here's some other contributing factors that come into the investigation. They think that maybe her dorm room, it's not the fact that she had packed up her entire dorm room for the semester, but maybe she just hadn't unpacked yet. Because it's February. Because it's February. But who lives in their dorm for a whole month and doesn't I think it was a I think they went in the end of January. So I don't think it was like a whole month, but probably long enough she probably should have, but... It just adds a discrepancy. She had her school books and she had a short supply of stuff, but it looked like she was planning on coming back eventually. So I'm not buying suicide theory. Yeah, I don't think so either. So they look at the UMass ATM for whenever she left and she took out that $280. She's totally alone. But you can't see her car, so we don't know if anyone else is in the car. Because, I like, if you were stopping in an ATM, I'm not getting out with you. I'm yeah, no. In the car. She's wearing – okay, now here's where it gets weird. This part gave me goosebumps. In the ATM footage, she's wearing a light-colored jacket that's, like, really big. Mara always wears her hair in a bun. But whenever she crashes the car and Bush Atwood comes up and talks to her, he says that he remembers that this girl's hair was black. What? And that she was wearing it down. What? And apparently she was wearing not the light color jacket that was seen in the ATM footage. So it was a whole So people were girl. wondering, is that even Mara? He doesn't know that. Whoa. Right? Kind of throws a wrench in it. But um, it, he could have been talking to someone that was traveling with her. Faith Westman is the woman who's in the house that called the police originally. And she apparently in her redacted statement, the part that was taken out was her saying that there's a man smoking a cigarette in the car. She would later take that back and say that she was wrong about that. What? How are you wrong about that? I don't know. Like, it's not like you just said, like, oh, there's a light in the car or something. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Yeah. like There's a man smoking a cigarette in the car. Yeah, you can't take that back. Right. What? I don't understand. Now, the other thing is that there was a lot of alcohol. Right. In case you don't remember. There was also wine coolers found in the car that weren't purchased at that liquor store. So either someone brought them or she stopped at another store or she had them from before. But then she has all of that alcohol. Was she planning on drinking all of that alone at a New Hampshire rental by herself? Yeah, why? What's the why? purpose? Yeah. So the assumption is maybe she was going with someone else. And why have, have those people she was going to meet, why have they never come forward? Hmm. Like no one's ever said like Mara didn't show up or like oh. I was in the car with her. No one has said anything. Which why would you not unless 
you were a part of something sketchy. Do not know. Sketchy. Um, a woman at a grocery store believes that she saw Mara that same night with two other other girls with two out-of-state IDs. They bought blue wine coolers, and there's but there's no other evidence for this besides the woman saying that that's what they bought. So we don't know how accurate that is either. Hmm. Now, okay, we do have a little bit of an explanation with the whole tailpipe thing with the thing in the tailpipe. Yeah. Her dad <laughs> uh, told her to put the rag in the exhaust pipe if it started to smoke, which sounds like terrible advice. His Why? thing was like, apparently if your your car's not going to stall out within like two minutes. So if it, your car starts to smoke and you need it to not be smoking to get from one place to another, you can stick it in your tailpipe, get from one place to another, and then not drive it again, I guess is what he was thinking. Dumb. I know. But he apparently people were saying that checked out her car afterwards. It probably wouldn't have stalled her car out. Um, they had a mechanic recreate the whole thing. And they said that it probably should have popped out while she was driving because she was right. she's driving on these back roads by herself, probably going pretty fast. The rag should have popped out. So it looks like Mara had gotten out of the car and then put it in, which makes even After less she sense. She crashed? Yes. Because otherwise it should have popped out. They recreated it, and he said that it couldn't have. And it's not like she was going slow. No. Enough where it could, like, spin. And if she were drinking, she's probably not going very slow. And she managed to spin around and get in the other lane. But why, after all of that, then put a rag in Exactly, I don't know. Unless it was smoking after the fact. It could have been smoking stopped. after the fact, yeah. And so then she just stuck it in there. And then she was waiting, and then what happened? That still doesn't explain where she is. Yeah, it, it doesn't. doesn't. So then there's a number from Londonderry, New Hampshire, that calls the afternoon or early evening of Mara's disappearance. They were never able to track that number, uh, and it never got answered. What? Yeah. They think that it might have been someone that was meeting up with Mara at a third location and was calling to see where she was. Wait. Is what they're thinking. This makes no sense. How do they not – how can they not track it? There's just certain numbers you can't track. What? It's a 2004. Whoa. Exactly. Okay, so there's a there's a couple different theories. All of them have their own holes. Um, okay, so the first theory is the tandem driver theory. Basically, that theory is that someone was driving ahead of Mara and then turned around and got her whenever her car stalled or broke down or whatever the heck happened. And they just left the car there. Mm -hmm. So they would have had and to get so her within that seven-minute window where Butch Atwood and Faith aren't watching Yep. Um, before Cecil, the police officer, got there. So there's like a very, very small window. But if they're driving alongside someone, someone else could have done that. Seven minutes is a yeah. while. Yeah. Um, she would have walked that 100 feet up there. But she didn't. She couldn't call anyone on her cell phone. So the person would have had to have been behind her to know that she was stuck because they would have had to pass her. Yeah. Or they were in front of her and they saw her in the rear view. But still. But then they wouldn't have turned around that whole time that Butch was there and that Faith Wagner was there. True. So that's just bizarre in general. So she would have walked that 100 feet, gotten in the car, and then disappeared. Wait, it was 100 feet back? No, 100 feet forward. But if they were behind her and they stopped to pick her up, wouldn't they stop right behind her? Not go past her 100 feet? Or no, like she didn't like notice? She, no, I think she was at the car, walked 100 feet in front of her own car, oh. and then they drove up, saw her, and they were like, gotcha. what the heck? And she was like, let's I just I guess that's car. a possibility, yeah. But then, does that mean she's running away from her life? Or is it she got in a car with someone and then they did something to her? Ooh. Exactly. Because I still don't think she ran away from her life. But it's just so weird. Like, why was her dorm room packed? Why did she bring all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Why did she have that book? I don't know. Dun, 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 dun. For a rental? Yeah. No. Like, she wasn't going to be gone for long. And classes had started. She's a nursing major. You can't be gone for all of that. How far was the drive? 
It was like a couple hours. hours. Yeah. There mm-hmm. was no rental car places in Massachusetts. Weird. I don't know. Um, well, and she's 21. I don't think you can. Oh, but you can in Vermont. I don't know. Okay. Second theory. This one's kind of weird. So there's um, a UMass student whose name is Patrick Bassey um, was struck and severely injured on campus by a car that did a hit and run. To this day, no one has been charged in connection with that. There is an assumption that Mara had gone out to run an errand. She had hit Patrick Bassey and then had to go into work shortly thereafter. She panicked because she's on probation. She could be facing worse charges. And so she ran and that that was what, you know, all of that came from. Mm-hmm. But she was normal with her dad that whole next day, yeah. the next like two days and all of that. Uh, apparently the damage on her car isn't necessarily consistent with hitting a snowbank, which is what they think happened whenever she was, oh, maybe that's what happened. She hits a snowbank. Why she, that's why she's turned the other way. Oh. Is that that's how she's But slid. they're saying that's like inconclusive. Yeah, apparently they're saying that's why that's part of the evidence that she might have hit Patrick Bassey because the evidence from the snowbank isn't really consistent. Oh. But um, doesn't think that this is true, and the damage doesn't fit with hitting a person either. So the damage that's on her car is like no one really knows. Yeah. There's no report of her having any damage before she left that day, though. So it had to have happened that day, hmm. which gives me the impression that she probably was driving drunk. Right. I mean, she could have had anything so. on her way down. You have an open box of wine for what? Right. Like, you're probably and just... you have so much alcohol for what? Yeah. Well, like, that's what gets me, though, I think, honestly, is the alcohol. Because why did you need that much? Who were you meeting? And if you were using it by yourself, then you for sure were trying to, like, harm yourself. Right. Like, yeah, she clearly... And clearly she has, like, self-harm sort of issues. Like, she, her dad's worries that she's depressed. She's bulimic. She's stealing stuff. Yeah. She's got, like, her stuff going on. So, here's the last theory that we got. Um, a mile from the crash site... There's an A-frame house, which I don't know what that means. That's just what they call it. A-frame. An A-frame house? Like the, it looks like that. I know what an A-frame is, but like an A-frame house? Yeah. Okay, sure. Hmm. A man claiming to be the brother of a guy who lived there brought a knife to Fred Murray's house with blood on it that he thought might be Mara's. What? Mm-hmm. They sent it to the police who rejected it and sent it back and said they couldn't take that as evidence and they weren't going to test it. Um, they wouldn't take the knife? Yes. They were like, no, it? we can't. Well, because DNA testing, this is probably what they were saying, DNA testing is really expensive and they didn't have any reason to test that. They just had a random guy come up and say, hey, test this blood. They decided to take it in for evidence eventually after a while because Mara's dad wouldn't let it go. But then they never heard anything more about it and they keep pressing police. But now they have a super tense relationship with police because they like are always pressing them and all of that. And so now they can't get any information. So the family hires a private investigator. The private investigator in 2006 contacted the new residents of the A-frame house and they decided to bring in cadaver dogs. Upstairs in a bedroom closet, the dogs flipped. Whenever they go in. What? Mm-hmm. They found some sort of remains. They take a sample of the carpet and bring it to the police. If it was tested at all, they've never heard anything about it. What? Yep. So they basically, they go into this guy's house, like what used to be this guy's house, but he's since left. Or maybe he died. I don't know. <laughs> it just says there's a new family living there. And yeah, the dogs flip out in there because they se- they smell something that smells like Mara or Mara. is Mara. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Um, but carpeting and flooring has been replaced since then, so they can't continue to test it. Ten years later, in 2016, the same PI goes back to the house and found wood chips in the closet that appear to be bloodstained. What? Mm-hmm. That, that much later? Mm-hmm. Now, here's a weird thing. The bloodstains, they are able to test two different samples of DNA. 
that are in the blood. One of them is male, and then one of them is unidentified. So they can't tell if it's male or female. It's inconclusive. Wow. Police say that the wood is too degraded to test. If law enforcement is not the one to find the evidence, there's a good chance that police aren't even going to use it, more than likely, apparently. I guess they can't trust where it came from or that it wasn't planted or whatever. Sure. Uh, They can't use evidence that they haven't handled directly. Even if it were Mara's blood, they probably can't use it anyways. Here's something crazy, though. And I looked into this because I secretly wanted it to be true, but I don't think it is. There have been links to Israel Keys. What? But they found out that he was not in the same area of Vermont at that time. But apparently he was in the New Hampshire area at the time. So people tried to link him to it. But apparently it's not conclusive enough. That's interesting. I know, but I looked it up. I was sort of disappointed. So there's no answer to this. Nope, it is still completely unsolved. They don't know what happened. I think that's my biggest fear. Like, we'll just never have answers to where. Yeah, because if it's me, I, you know, even if I'm dead, I I know, Mm -hmm. um, like, what the truth was. But if, like, my kid just disappeared or, like, my best friend disappeared – And there's no answers. And then finding out, like, information periodically of, like, wait, that one thing she told you wasn't true. Or, like, oh, listen to how weird that is and not being able to confirm. Yes. Oh. And that's just so sad for the family. They get zero closure. I know. So what do you think happened tomorrow? There's no – there's not enough evidence on either side to say that she was doing something to herself. Mm Mm-hmm. Or if somebody else didn't – there's just not an – there's not enough evidence. There's just so much information. It's there, yeah, there's so much from so many different random places, like the house at the end. And there's so many, like, ran- like even the, the fact that she printed out an email about her relationship problems with Billy. Why did you do that? Who does that? Like, Who why is it there? Out? If you know your problems, then you know them. You don't need to, like, put them on paper unless you're going to do something with it. And I'm really stressed out about whether that girl was Mara or not. The black hair with yeah. the hair down? yeah. It's not any of their friends they were able to identify. That's creepy. And why does she have that much alcohol? Where was she going? And can I come? <laughs> I just, it looks like it's fun. No, it's clearly dead. It would have been gone. fun had she ever gone there, but apparently she didn't make it. That's sad. What do you think the chances are that she's alive? I was just thinking about that. Like, what if she's in some cabin in the woods <gasps> right now? With, like, some guy that she's, like, she faked her own death and she's happy. Oh, that's okay. I thought you were gonna say like she's no, chained up or something. But no, you're no, no. going to the. Alternative I'm going route. like best case scenario. Wow, we really, we really did a role reversal the right there. The tables have turned. I know. Yeah, if she just like. <laughs> I thought someone was like right here. I I got a little scared whenever I heard that. But when I tell you that these scare me, I'm so serious. Oh my gosh. Emerson, you just scared the (laughs) shit out of Maddie. I can hear your voice and it was like distant (laughs) but close at the same time. It sounded like it was right there. Yes. Because I said hello. No, it just sounded randomly like you got scared. So close, like you were right next to us. But talking quietly next to us. Basically, I don't. I have no freaking. Where did we leave off though? Because after you got scared, I lost everything. I don't know. Me too. I think the part where she's in the cabin, happy somewhere. Oh, that she might be in a cabin, happy somewhere. I hope she is. I don't think that's the case though. I don't either. It's wishful thinking. What do you think? And she never contacted Billy again either. 
Billy has no clue. Maybe Billy killed her. Why didn't they? Billy was in Oklahoma. He was stationed in Oklahoma. He had an alibi. But wasn't he on the way to New Hampshire? The next, once they called and said she's missing. Oh. Yeah. So I think he's good. Hmm. What if Billy's military friend killed him, her for him? What? Because she was cheating on him. Yeah, but he was cheating on her. Yeah, but some people have double standards. Yeah, I don't think so, though. I know, I don't think so. Because they talked on the phone, like, right before then. I'm just throwing ideas out, because there's really no way to know. I know. That one stresses me out, because I don't even have the slightest idea. She looks so normal. She does look so normal. And I mean, I guess normal people go missing all the time. I know. I just don't like that we don't know who did it. I know, me too. It's not even, like, how or where or what, but it's, like... Who, they're just out there. Yeah. If if it was someone else, if it wasn't self-inflicted. I don't see how it could just be her. And they did search the area around there, and they didn't find any remains. But if And it's, it's been since 2004. You'd think if she were just out there in that same area that they would have found her by now. Terrifying. How do people just disappear? Exactly. I don't know. And it would be so frustrating if she were alive and everybody else is just, like, talking about it and trying to figure it out and they can't. And you're just like, no, but I know what happened to me and you need to come help me. What do you mean? Like, if you're alive in a cabin tied to a tree. Oh, and you know people are looking for yes. you. But you have no way to communicate yes. that and no way to leave. Yes. Oh, God. That sounds awful. Yeah, sounds terrible. So that's the story of Mara Murray. Uh, that oh. one keeps me up at night a little bit. Yeah, I don't there's yeah. too many variables so where many I just, variables. like, in my head, if I don't pretend she's happy in a cabin. Okay, then she is. That She's I had just... two kids by now. She's with a man. His name is... John C. Riley. What? Who is that? Who is John C. Riley? I think he's the brother and stepbrothers. Are you sure? I don't know why that's what you thought. I was just expecting a first name, and you really went all out John on that C. one. John C. Riley, wait. John C. I'm In my head, I'm going, oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. I actually had to question if whether or not that was a Pittsburgh yes, thing. Yes, John C. Riley is the actor from Oh, Okay, so she's married to him, and they are living a yes, fantastic John. life. Well, yet again, I'm scared. Well, everybody, hope you're scared. Um, if you have any information on Mara Mari, just tell us, okay? Or let us know what your opinion is. Do yeah. you think she killed herself? Do you think someone else killed her? What? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know either. Yeah, give us all your all your thoughts, your opinions. We love getting emails, so we do. Keep them coming. Send us send us a little email. Let us know what you think. Bye. Bye. Bye.